Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic and conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. And we are coming to you live. From the Rocket Mortgage by Quicken Loans Studios, Rocket Mortgage, they're with you every step of the way. They know home is so much more than a house. It's the home of your dreams. And for 30 years, they've been making it better. Rocket Mortgage, push button, get mortgage. Hickey. Ken. Uh, Schwartz was doing the update, and he mentioned the uh, 1980 U.S. hockey team. Yes. This is the anniversary of that. Oh, I'm well aware. My dad's a huge, huge fan. He actually was there. Not at the game, but he was there? Oh, oh, he's in Lake Placid. Okay. Uh, So do you know who they beat after that? Because a lot of people think that they beat the Russians to win the gold medal. That's not the truth. Was it Finland? That was right. It was Finland. And they were down 2-1 in the third period. I did not know that. God, could you imagine if they would have lost that one? Good God. Thank God it didn't go down that way, because then it just kills the entire thing. Everybody remembers you beat the Russians, but no one's got, I mean, good God. 855-2124-CBS. So a great anniversary of that. We know that Peter's a huge hockey fan, too, so I'm sure he has no problem bringing it up. Peter's one of the biggest hockey fans. I, I think he's probably the biggest hockey fan I ever met. Before we get back into the, before I get into the, the Rob Manfred thing, I got a tweet here, and I thought I mentioned it. I might have glossed over it. And I, I do think this is a good point, even though that I don't know if the person's going to agree with me. A guy named Donald says, Ken, I caught the beginning of your show this morning. There's been so much hue and cry over player injuries and brain trauma. I've not heard anything from you or any other hosts regarding this issue. I would think it would be central to the issue of expanding the, uh, expanding the season. Why not do something like saying no one can play more than three or four games in a row, plus doesn't adding teams to the playoffs cheat, cheapen them? Uh, it does. I, I, I do think it does cheapen the playoffs, but I do think it brings in another conversation. There was a time where I, I did believe if you make the playoffs, you really shouldn't lose your job. I know that that's not always the case, talking about head coaches, but I think it opens up that conversation because now 7-9 and nine and making the playoffs, it's not the accomplishment that it would be if you were 9-7 and seven and made the playoffs with six teams. So I, I do think it gives me a little bit more entertainment, a little bit more fun. It does cheapen the playoffs, but... Even though we know it's cheap, people are still going to watch it. 
So I don't think that that's that big of an issue. The other thing is, I, I thought I addressed it, and I might have just been cavalier about it and moved on very quickly. I think we've reached a point where you're right. There are a lot of people, and I want to be delicate how I say this. There's a lot of people who do take that, take brain trauma and, and, and head injury seriously and what goes on in football. I do get to a point, though, where, you know, you play the sport professionally. If this was, if we were doing this show in 1974, I could get you not knowing. I could get you not knowing even in 1994. Uh, now, from what we know, from what we believe we know and we still don't know and what we're af- we're afraid to find out still there has to be a time and I think that this is what's happened with the class action lawsuit that's went on in the NFL and in, in the NCAA that there has to be an understanding that this can cause this you can only legislate so much before you you take the game and you change it and they've done a ton and probably a lot of ton for the better Fans might be upset about that, but the NFL, they, they always say it's on, on the side of player safety. They want to protect their players. No, they're trying not to get sued for a billion dollars again. So they have to take these precautions so they don't find themselves in trouble again. So what Donald says here, I think what Donald says is true. Well, someone's got to bring this up. I think it's absolutely true to bring up. I think that now I look at you and I go, you're a grown man. You know the risks. If you choose to do this for a living or for a living for a short time, it's not your life's work. You can't do it forever. But if you choose to do this for a short time, you have to understand that there's going to be a risk and a reward. You will lose years. It is basically proven fact, with the exception of a few, that you're going to lose years off your life. If you're comfortable with that to provide a good living for yourself, to perhaps have the chance, not everybody's able to do this, but have the chance at generational wealth for yourself and for your family, which the NFL can afford that if you're a good enough player, then I think that you need to weigh those options with yourself and and, and with your family. Whether you're 20 years old, whether you're hanging on at 33 years old, one of the two, I think you need to discuss that with yourself and, and, and understand that this is not a sport that doesn't lend itself to just contact. It's a collision sport. There's a lot of things that go on. It's very, very physical. And it's not made for everybody. I even put this to the kid conversation. People do ask me all the time. I played high school football. I was bad at it. I loved it. It's the only thing. There's a lot of guys in my hometown that they'll sit on a bar and they'll regale with stories and they miss high school like crazy. I don't really miss high school. Had a good time. I miss football. I miss playing football. I wish I would have taken it more seriously. I wish I would have been better at it. There's a lot of things that I do regret about the game, but I love football. Just because I do, I don't know if I can let my – I will let my kids play football. I don't know if I'm going to force them to do it. I had a great, great time playing it. But I think football, wrestling, I think rugby's in that same category. Those are vigorous, very physical sports. And if they're not cut out for it, I don't know if I'm going to force it on them. And if they do want to play it, I look at them in the same token of, all right, I know the risks. And I also know that they could get hurt doing a lot of things. If they really, truly love the sport, I'm going to allow them to play it. If they can play it ever at a high level, which I'd imagine they won't be able to, but if they ever could, then we could discuss that. Because I think everything past high school is really an investment in yourself. There's guys who play D3 college football. God bless them. They have a wonderful time doing it. 
and and I mean this, God bless you. I hope you've had a wonderful time. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it enriched your life, and I hope that you made sound decisions. But I also know guys who played D3 college football because they wanted to keep playing college football, and they just came out ass deep in debt. I, I have to look at it as an investment after high school. But for those guys, and it, it's turned into a long answer, which is, I think, what some people want, is that I think you need to know and I think people do now. They know about what college coaches want. They know about what college recruiters want. We know more about agents than we ever have. There is no longer there's no longer the conversation of Grandma Violetta and a gold Trans Am and who gave the gold Trans Am, like what happened years ago with Eric Dickerson. Doesn't go on anymore. We know what we're getting into now. And if we're willing to know these certain things when it comes to corruption, requ- recruiting, academics, what your future is, what your self-worth is, being able to be paid on your own likeness, I think that we should be honest with each other and understand that, yeah, this is a very dangerous sport. It can be taken from you at any time. It's one of the few sports that, you know, bad things can happen in basketball and baseball and some of the other ones, but football, uh, it can change everything in an instant. And we've seen that before. So I think that you need to understand that. I think that the American public is growing into understanding that. But now I look at it and I go, now nah, you know you're making a lot of money. Go out and make your money. And if you want to play 17 games, that's why I feel you should be paid fully for 17 games. Whether you're making $10 million a game some way, somehow, or whether you're making $50,000 a game some way, somehow. You're paid that full amount of money for that 17th game. A day at work is a day at work. Everybody else gets paid the regular rate for going to work. The players should get paid the regular rate for going to work. This weird little loophole based on guys who sign on a 16-game schedule because the 17-game schedule isn't going to go to effect for a couple of years, I think is very flimsy. Pay them a full rate. Pay them everything they're worth. That's what it is. No one goes and does the half-day thing or tries to get paid half for doing a full day's work. That's not how that works. 855-2124-CBS. Honestly, with the amount of money that they're able to make on playoff games, I don't think that playoff games should be bonuses either. I think you really want to incentivize playoffs, have them get to the playoffs and pay them a full game check in the playoffs. I don't give a damn. And you could say, well, it's easy to say that. It's not your money. It is easy for me to say that. It isn't my money. I also know that you guys get $220-plus a year just to open up the gates every season. So you really want to incentivize guys getting to the playoffs? Pay them a full game check, what they would have made in Week 17 for the divisional round. That'll get a bull running. 855-2124-CBS. Rob Manfred is trying to go Vince McMahon. He's trying to go Vince McMahon without the entertainment. I saw the Faye Vincent opinion piece in Wall Street Journal earlier this week. I was on vacation this week. Got a lot of reading done. Saw the Faye Vincent piece. Thought it was brilliantly written, as Faye Vincent tends to do with these type of things. Thought it was a really well-written thing. It was funny because Faye Vincent obviously is a controversial figure when it comes to comes to sports commissioners. And I thought that what he said was true. And I know a lot about wrestling, and I know a lot about sports, I try to anyway, and it feels like Rob Manfred is trying to go full heel because, yes, it worked for Vince McMahon. Hit it. I made one mistake, um, at least, um, during that long day. And uh, that was in an effort to make a rhetorical point. I referred to the World Series trophy in a disrespectful way. I enjoy destroying lives. I think if you look at the faces of the Houston players 
as they've been out there publicly addressing this issue. Um, they have been hurt by this. You might have some support from this audience, but 95% of them are idiots. <laughs> I didn't know that was a clip you were going to find, Hickey. That was hilarious. Um, <laughs> I think Rob Manfred sees Vince McMahon. I think he sees Goodell. I think he wants that. Roger Goodell, when you watch the NFL draft, Roger Goodell goes out there and he welcomes your booze. He laughs in your face. Because he knows you love the sport. He knows that it's a little bit tongue-in-cheek. There are people who really do hate Roger Goodell. I know we're big in New England. So, yeah, I know you guys really do hate Roger Goodell. But there's a lot of people, they boo Roger Goodell because that's the history and it's become tradition. And when they ever get another commissioner, we'll boo that guy and we'll boo the guy after him. And Roger Goodell makes it fun. It is a little bit fun to hear him come out and say that. And during some of the best years of my adolescence, to see Vince McMahon, when the hood came off, it was me, Austin! It was me! It was me all along! And Jim Jim Ross is going, oh, son of a, you know what? It's my favorite moments of all time. That's the beauty of it. But for those two entities, they made it more entertaining. Vince McMahon was one of the greatest villains in entertainment history. Not just pro wrestling, entertainment. A boss that everybody hates. I was just talking about full days of work. A boss that everybody hates and a guy on the other side of him telling him what every single person in that audience during the late 90s and early 2000s wanted to say to their boss and couldn't. And that guy was doing it. And the other guy was the embodiment. Vince McMahon was the embodiment of corporate greed and corporate structures of a boss. It had come to life. And Roger Goodell is the same thing. They put the clown nose on Goodell. We hate Goodell. We blame him for the follies of the NFL. We can't believe the referees are in the way. We can't stand. But we watch. We hated McMahon at the time, but we watch. We were interested. And I think Rob Manford wants that. Take the heat off the Astros. Take the heat off of A.J. Hinch, who will probably be a manager again next year. Take the heat off of Lunau, who will probably be in a front office again at some point. Take the heat off of Jim Crane, who has done nothing but stick his foot in his mouth from the beginning of this saga to the end of this saga, up to and including last week. Take the heat off these guys and do as a commissioner does. Put the heat on you. Take it on you. You're paid a handsome salary. Roger Goodell's paid $40-plus million a year, so I can hate him as a fan. I can look at him and say, you're the problem, Rog. You're the problem with the sport that I love. That's why he's out there, because people don't want, or excuse me, the owners don't want me pointing at the owners. They don't want me to know who they are. I have to have a villain. Except this is real world. Those two help their companies. The real truth, none of what I just said is true. Manfred doesn't care about being a heel. I don't think he cares about being a foil. I don't think he cares about you hating him. I don't even know if he cares about people taking the heat off his owners. Maybe that's true. Maybe that's true. And certainly the heat off the players. Maybe that part is true. But everything else, the clips of McMahon and everything else, it's just me having some fun with it, trying to have some fun. Because the real truth is that to say that he wants to be a heel, that he wants to be a guy that you hate and put the heat on him, that's giving him too much credit. 
He's messed this thing up from the very beginning. He's bundled it. For Vince McMahon, his title holder is his biggest thing. It carries his company. It's his main draw. It's what his father taught him. So it's made him successful in his business. For Roger Goodell, the Lombardi Trophy, the standard of excellence, is what makes the NFL great. It's what makes us watch. We want to be champions. We want to feel like champions. And we live vicariously through these players. We want a piece of that pie. We want our favorite players, our favorite coaches, our front offices standing up on that stage in one of those stadiums hoisting that trophy because we may never touch it. But for that moment, it feels like we did. Roger Goodell gets that. Vince McMahon in a carny atmosphere gets that. Rob Manfred called it a piece of metal. I wish I could say that Rob Manfred, all he's trying to do is get the heat off his owners and players and put it on himself and giving you somebody to hate. That'd be giving him far too much credit. The real truth, he's out of touch with his sport. He's out of touch with the fans of his sport. And the sooner he's gone, the better. 855-2124-CBS. Up next, I've never been so happy to hear the wrong opinions of people in my entire life. It's Ken Carmen on CBS Sports Radio. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. Jeff Goodman in like 20 minutes. 855-2124-CBS. Hickey, you didn't watch on Monday night, did you? No, I did not. You know, we're celebrating America today because of the 80 Olympic team, and you didn't even watch the great American race on Monday night. I love America. I love the 80 hockey team, but no, do I you? guess I missed Do the, you? I do. I don't know if you do, brother. I, I do. don't know I if love you do. This country. Hmm. I I question your I question your morals right there. I question if you're saying the truth, Pirano. Yeah. Did you watch the race? Uh, only maybe like five ten minutes of it. I turned it on briefly. Five you know, ten oh, minutes actually, longer than. You know what I did? Um, what I saw on Facebook that you posted about how they had the uh, the camera inside. Uh, who had the? Oh, Jimmy Johnson had the camera yeah, inside. So on actually, on YouTube. Yeah, so I actually did go to YouTube too briefly to watch the uh, the camera inside. That Jimmy was Johnson's excellent. Car. That was excellent. My God, I was watching both, and then I was on the phone because Lima, who's you hear him every now and then, he fills in on, and he's actually on during the fall. Uh, CBS Sports Radio. I I host the show with him during the week, and I, so I'm on the phone with him. As the race is going on, Lima has covered for television, has covered a Daytona 500, but still doesn't really know it. I love NASCAR. I love racing. I love motorsports. I love F1, NHRA, the whole deal. I'm a big fan. I was on the phone with him, and I got him on speakerphone as Ryan Newman's wreck happens at the end of the race. Now, I had the sound off. I turned the sound up because I go, man, that looked really bad. Because at first when it happened, I go, ah, you know, it's a blowover, and uh, that's what happens on the final lap. That's you know, this, is, this is Daytona, and that's what goes down. And then I saw the replay. I went, oh, my God, that doesn't look very good at all. And then they did like an abrupt cutaway, and Lima's on the phone with me, and I'm not trying to do this for effect. I'm, I swear to you I'm not. Lima's on the phone with me. He goes, is he going to be okay? And I went, this this is not good. And Lyman's going, what do you mean this is not good? I go, this is, they're not showing the car. They're, they're staying away from replays right now. This, this isn't good. And the whole thing was muted afterwards. And I, Lyman's going, what is happening? I go, Anthony, I think something really bad has happened here. 
And then thank God it turns out that you know, he was able to go, able to leave the hospital in two days. And at some point might get back in the cockpit. Off of that race, I've never been so happy to hear wrong opinions in my entire life. Because I do follow it. And it's just an opinion. I think these opinions are wrong. You could say I'm full of it. That's the beauty of this, okay? I'm not the law on this, my God. But I enjoy it so much because I love auto racing. And I know that these guys, because I follow the sport as closely as I possibly can, sometimes during the fall when football comes in, yep, you know what, I'm probably going to check out or I'm going to watch a lot less. That's what happens. But trying to follow it the best I can and hearing some of the opinions where I'm going, nope, these are wrong, where he should retire. They need to stop drafting like that. That's number 12's fault, Ryan Blaney. That's number 12's fault. And I went, nope, nope, nope. I go, they already, they do not think that way. Race car drivers do not put that. It, he could very well retire. He could count his blessings. But a lot of guys who do that, they go, well, it can't happen that bad twice. Ah, you know, I made it out of there. I, it can't be that bad. Like, they don't go to funerals. They don't do that type of thing. Everybody thinks that that is like an old wives' tale about race car drivers. Well, that's true. A lot of that is really true. It made me happy, or I shouldn't say happy, but relieved that Dale Earnhardt didn't die in vain because at least NASCAR learned from its greatest perishing ever, their greatest problem ever when a guy died right there and their biggest driver died right there in the Daytona 500 where they all of a sudden regulated what was previously just interpreted as far as safety rules were concerned, where you could kind of do whatever you wanted to. Now there's harsh regulations within NASCAR. They continuously try to find ways to make the sport better and obviously make the sport safer because people want destruction. They want danger. They don't want death. They want the possibility of it being there. That's something that NASCAR does understand. That's why they race like that at Daytona and Talladega in the first place. If they really wanted them to, they could have them out there two at a time and be spread all over the track, and you wouldn't watch. But you know in the final 20, 30 laps of a NASCAR race at Daytona or Talladega, they're going to be three wide, four, four wide. Guys are going to start making moves. Guys are going to start to get a little bit desperate, and there's going to be a big one. And you like destruction. You like violence. You like it when things go wrong. You like the possibility of something really bad happening. You don't want that bad thing to happen. We're not that bloodthirsty as a country, but NASCAR knows that. And so that's something they have done well. Protecting Ryan Newman, another thing that they've done well. He should retire. Ryan Newman's probably a guy who will look at it and go, I'm 42 years old, and I could very well retire. I've made a boatload of money doing this. But you know it can't happen like that twice, can it? Nah. They can't stop doing that. They can't stop drafting the way they draft because that's the reason people watch. And the final one of it is, and this is just a racer theory here, if you watch it over and over again, and people didn't want to say this, Ryan Newman has a strong reputation for being the hardest guy in NASCAR to pass. He makes everybody fight for every single position, whether that's at Daytona or Vegas or anywhere. And if you watch it, he throws a block on twice. I don't know what Ryan Newman's going to say in his first interview, but he'll probably say something to the tune of, yeah, I kind of knew what I was getting into there. And they do. That's what makes the sport fun. That's what makes it scary. That's what also makes it beautiful. But I'm glad that I go, no, no, and no. But I'm glad people talk about it. Because it's the one time of year that people really get to talk about it. It's the one time of year that I really will talk to you about it. Because, and Hickey knows this, 
Yeah, I know. The rest of the year, nobody seems to really care. But maybe because of this conversation, maybe we'll watch a couple more races. Hopefully. 855-2124-CBS. Coming up next, we've got the college basketball tournament right around the corner. Things are heating up. We've seen some upsets over the last week. Jeff Goodman going to join us, college basketball insider. We'll talk college basketball with him. This is the Ken Carmen Show on CBS Sports Radio. 855-212-4227. That's CBS Sports Radio's toll-free line. It's brought to you by GEICO. There's great news. You can save a ton of money when you switch to GEICO. Whether you own or rent GEICO, they make it easy for you to bundle the home and auto insurance together. Have a home, it's hard work. Get a quote at GEICO.com. It's easy. One hour from now, we'll talk football with Sage Roosevelt. Right now, we go to the hotline. We welcome it. Listen, if this guy don't know about college basketball, then nobody knows it. Jeff Goodman joins us on the show. College Basketball Insider. Find him on Twitter, at Goodman Hoops. Jeff, thanks for joining us today, friend. What's up, man? How you doing? Oh, I'm not doing too terrible. All right, your top four, you got Baylor, Gonzaga, you got San Diego State, you got Kansas here. Looks like a fine top four. Maryland slips in there in your top five. These were just in the latest picture that you got up here, okay? Are you surprised or are do people should be should people be surprised? Blah. Should people be surprised about how good Maryland was? Because I'm a Big Ten guy, and I'm going, hey, you know, they could probably compete for the uh, for the entire conference this year. Well, what what they have is uh, they have one of the best guard shot makers in the country, Anthony Cowan, and one of the best big men in the country, uh, in Jalen Stick Smith. So if you get two of the top thirty or so players in the country this year, and Cowan's a veteran, and they've got some other good pieces on that team. Uh, and again, like you just said, the Big Ten, it's not top heavy. It's deep, but there's so little disparity. You're going to look on the 8-9 line on, on Selection Sunday, and you're going to see like four Big Ten teams on that 8-9 line. And, and that just shows you they'll probably get 10, 11 teams in, uh, but there's just not much separation between Maryland and Illinois. You know, I think if they play 10 times, they'd probably end up splitting. Um but but I love the league this year again because other than Northwestern and Nebraska, every game's great. Jeff Goodman joining us on the show. Why has Ohio State kind of hit this weird lull that they've been in for about the last month and a half? Um, you know, they, they've actually been better. I think they've been a little bit better over the last month or so uh, than they were during that stretch. After they beat Kentucky in Vegas, they went through this crazy stretch. Lost to West Virginia on a neutral court and then lost a couple home games, uh, Minnesota being one of them. They've started to get it together a little bit. I, I think their roles are, are a little clearer now that DJ Carton left the team. Um, but but they, they need better guard play. And they need Caleb Weston to be a dominant big man. And unfortunately, we thought like Caleb Weston could be the best big man in the Big Ten. But it, it's so loaded. You look around, every team has a really good big. And he's just been kind of – somewhere in that middle uh, most nights. Jeff, I'm in, a, I'm in a weird spot here because I watched Gonzaga in San Francisco the other night, and I'm like, yeah, yeah same Gonzaga team we always see, a one- or two-loss basketball team, and that's just how good they are. And I just don't know if I can ever take them seriously. How do I know what is a really, really, really good Gonzaga team and what is just, ah, you know, your typical Gonzaga team? Yeah, I, I talked to a, a WCC head coach, actually, uh, about a half an hour ago about Gonzaga. He said, I expect them to beat BYU at BYU tonight, which will be a really good test for them. But ultimately, um, they're not nearly as overpowering as they were last year. They don't have two first-round picks. I mean, they have Rui Hachimura and Brandon Clark. 
they're, they're really good in their top seven, solid all the way around, but, but no superstars. And the problem with them is one injury, and they're in trouble. And, and they've had it with Killian Tilly. He's been in and out of the lineup all year, and let's, let's hope he stays healthy uh, for the postseason. But they're really a seven-man team right now for the most part. So, Mark, you cannot afford anybody to go down uh, in the NCAA tournament. Who's the best player in the country right now? <laughs> oh, I'll give you four. I, I, I honestly, I don't know if I can pick between the four. I guess I'll go Luca Garza. If, if he gun to my head, he's the best offensive player in the country. His defense, you know, leaves a little bit to be desired. But the Iowa big man has been absolutely terrific. Uh, Ob Toppin, I saw a week ago today for Dayton, he's been great. And then uh, the two Big East guards, I think, have to be in there. Marcus Howard and Marquette, uh, who's the biggest all-time scoring leader, and Miles Powell uh, for Seton Hall. I think those are my top four, and then there's a little bit of a gap after that. But I'd probably go Garza today. Where does Obi Toppin rank in the next uh, at the next level? Like where where is he being taken at now? Top five. I mean, I talked to one NBA team uh, the other day, and they said they had him number two on their board. Number two. Wow. It's crazy. Crazy. Wow. I mean, he's done a great job. But that's, that's high, and it just shows you, um, I guess, the lack of, of overall talent at the top this year, right? I mean, who do you take? It's like that Anthony Bennett year when uh, then yeah. Cleveland Cavs GM Chris Grant was kind of forced to make a decision he didn't want to make. He wanted to trade down. This year, I think it could be the same. Do you take Anthony Edwards at Georgia? Do you take James Wiseman, who bailed on Memphis after a few games? Do you go Obi Toppin? Do you go LaMelo Ball? I think those are the four names you're going to see in the equation. And I think ultimately, I think the safest pick is probably Anthony Edwards. And he's a guy, if you look at his numbers, he's shooting like 40, uh, 40% from the field and 30% from three. I don't know if you'll find another guy that's been drafted in the top three that has those numbers. Uh, those, honestly, they're 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 – they're pretty weak. Uh, those numbers for a top three pick in, in years. Jeff Goodman joining us on the show. I, I was shocked because there was like, ah, oh, you know, first round, uh, you know, top half. Da-da-da-da. And then you're telling me someone says they got them second on the board. Well, wow, this oh, is yeah. coming yeah. out of nowhere. This seems to come together. His coach, you know, he did very well at VCU there for four years, took the money and ran to Alabama, which everybody wants to do, and you know, it didn't work out that well. Now Anthony Grant's back at Dayton. They're rolling. He's 53. He's still not an old man. Does this propel him back up, or do you think he stays at Dayton and rides us out for a little bit? Yeah, I mean, he's an alum. So I say the only jobs that Anthony Grant leaves for are Florida, if something happened to Florida because he was Billy Donovan's assistant when they won that first national title, then he left for, for VCU. But Anthony Grant is a different dude. If you've been around him, he is not wired like most coaches. Super focused, laser focused. Um, learn from Billy, and Billy is that way too in terms of, you know, he always used to say, you know, media is poison to his players. And make sure that those guys were focused. And Anthony's kind of taking some of that as well and trying to make sure that his guys aren't buying into the hype. Um, so I, I think Anthony Grant could be a, a Dayton lifer. I mean, Dayton's a great job. Think about it. There's a reason the first four is in Dayton. They are basketball crazed. He knows that. You know, he came from Florida, where honestly, then they're not basketball crazed. 
So I think he enjoys the fact that he's got somewhere now that they, they embrace him, and I could see him staying there forever. I think you're right about that. It's a better alumni base than what people want to give him credit for. And you mentioned the first four. You're definitely right about that. Jeff Goodman joining us on the show. Auburn, they got upset the other day. Duke was not competitive. Coach K said it himself. Is this a normal thing, this lull before the conference tournaments shake up and things like this? Or, or, or should people be worried about either one of these squads? No, I, I just think it's a normal thing this year in college basketball. You know, we got a clear top four that, that to me, have earned it. And, you know, whoever wins today, Baylor, uh, Kansas, you know, I don't think it's that big a deal. I think it would be amazing if Baylor swept Kansas uh, and, and their last loss came November 8th uh, in Anchorage, Alaska, to Washington. Uh, but, yeah, I, Duke's not a dominant team. I mean, they're not. You, you can see that from game one. Kentucky's not a dominant team. And that's part of the reason we have what we have right now with college basketball, right, is Anthony Edwards didn't go to Kentucky. James Wiseman didn't go to Kentucky or a Duke or something like that. So those, those schools um, don't have – again, the freshman class wasn't great to begin with, and Duke and Kentucky didn't get the top freshmen, so to speak. So I, I think that's why – uh, you're seeing a more balanced field, and again, the P word, parity, is is accurate here. It really is. I'm at St. Mary's today. I really want to get a chance to see St. Mary's. I haven't seen them all year, and I saw them in practice last night, and I'm like, you know what? They shoot the hell out of the ball. There's no there's no reason if St. Mary's got in the NCAA tournament as like a 10 seed or you know eight nine line that they couldn't win a couple games and get to the Sweet 16. Jeff Goodman with us on the show. Gosh, you're right about that. Uh, Baylor, Kansas starts at noon Eastern. What will I know? Whoever wins this game, what will I know about either one of these basketball teams at the end of this game? Because I'm setting you up for something. I'm not sure if we're going to have enough time, but i got to set you up for this. But go ahead. Okay. All right. No, that's fair. I mean, I'm not putting too much stock in this game, but, but what I will say is um, I'm watching game day right now from my hotel room, and I see a packed uh, Ferrell Center. And, and the job Scott drew, I, I think – that's the biggest takeaway from this today is the job Scott Drew has done taking over one of the worst situations in NCAA basketball history in, in the wake of Dave Bliss and, and that whole deal uh, and to be able to sustain it the way he has. And the stat I'll give you is since they landed Isaiah Austin, and that was like 10 years ago, he committed to, to them. They have not gotten another top 50 recruit rank. While Calipari and Kay and I think Cal's had like 40 or 50 of them in that span. So uh, I, I don't know what I'll take away from this, but what I will say is that Baylor is for real, and it, I won't be surprised at all if they win this game. What what has got to be bothersome to you? Because even not, like, listen, I'm not nearly big, as big on college basketball as you are. You've made it your life. But the second I start talking about a regular season matchup, and I, I, I was talking to my buddy the other day. And I'm going, hey, I watch it. and I brought up the Georgia-Auburn game. He goes, yeah, yeah, but doesn't you know none of that matters because it's a regular season and people don't care as much about the regular yeah. season anymore. What do you say to when people say things like that? Yeah, you've got to be a diehard, right? I mean, you, you, you've got to be a diehard college basketball fan to care about the regular season. Um, the ratings are down. There's no doubt. There aren't dominant teams. There haven't been dominant players. I totally get it um, that the average fan is not coming over this year. They're not flipping on to see – uh, Zion Williamson like they were a year ago. But I think it sets up for a much more interesting conference tournament week and definitely NCAA tournament. I think that's when the fans are going to uh, come in and say, like, all right, this is great because what do they want to see more than anything? You want to see upsets. Yeah. And you're going to have upsets by the numbers. 
but again, like I said, St. Mary's as a number nine or, or 10 seed, it's not an upset if they, if they win their first couple of games. It's really not. I, I honestly think you play St. Mary's against Baylor and they get hot making shots. It's a coin flip some days. If Jordan Ford gets it going and these other guys on the Gales get it going, they could beat Baylor. They could beat Kansas. They could beat Dayton. Um, or, or San Diego State, and I've seen all those teams in person. None of them are overpoweringly good. None of them. Ten years ago, they're all teams that are ranked in the top, you know, 15 or 20. But the landscape has changed because kids have left. They're leaving early now, not for lottery picks, not to be first-round picks. They're leaving early because they're tapped out. They, they, they'll, they'll take a two-way. They'll go overseas. It's just mm-hmm. a different landscape now. Jeff Goodman with us on the show. No, because yeah, – I think that maybe there should be, and again, I'm running out of time here. Does basketball in that case, college basketball, need that big dominant team to get people going like you were just talking about with Zion last year? Because guys like Zion Williamson don't come around very often, so maybe it's the it's the brand names. It's the Duke. It's the Kentucky. It's the so on. For me, this year has been refreshing, right? But overall, yes, they need the dominant player. They need one of the big boys to be really good, whether it's Duke, whether it's Kentucky, whether it's Carolina, um, whoever, Kansas. Like, if Kansas had been overpoweringly good this year, I I think it'd be a different story because there's a lot of people right now that hate Kansas because they're embroiled in the whole FBI NCAA investigation Mm -hmm. right now. But you're not watching them and saying, oh, my God, I got to watch Kansas. Like, Devon Dotson's a good player. Big Doak's a good player. But they don't have that guy right now. So there's nobody that college basketball, like generic, general fans can latch onto and say, I got to watch them or I got to root for or against that team. Jeff, can't thank you enough for the time, my friend. Enjoy St. Mary's today. Hopefully we'll get a chance to talk to you again soon. You got it. Thanks, man. Appreciate it. Thank you. Jeff Goodman. College Basketball Insider, follow him on Twitter at Goodman Hoops, 855-212-4CBS. It's difficult. I've watched more college, college basketball than I have in a couple of years. Last year and this year. And I will tell you, it's like, yeah, for guys who do like the parody of it and just watching it to watch it because it's it's what we got to do. Like, yeah, it was nice to watch Georgia beat Auburn the other day. It's good to see Tom. Tom Crean wasn't even sweating, and it was nice to see that. It was nice to see Duke get handled the other day. It was nice to see Syracuse go down to Florida State and get beat by like 70. Like, that was nice. But I think for a lot of people, it's like, meh, get me to the tournaments, get me to the conference tournaments, get me to the big one. Okay, fine, if that's just what the sport becomes, and I guess that's something we have to deal with. It sounds like Jeff Goodman's like, yeah, that's the reality of it, and that's okay. Coming up in less than an hour, Sage Roosevelt. We'll talk NFL with him. Up next, for Tom, this is the difference between a proud legend and a desperate man hanging on for just one more shot. It's Ken Grumman on CBS Sports Radio. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones so we'll never lose touch with civilization and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. 
Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey.